0: but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world.
1: All right, um, just a, a mini announcement. I for- we forgot to mention this at the beginning. The bathrooms in the back over here are now open. So. We have two back there and one up here, so just so you know where to find your way. Um, the, uh, I had Ariana read the entire uh, Beatitudes for some context, but really our sermon text this morning is just that last phrase, you are the light of the world. Um, and it's really a sermon text. It couldn't be any shorter, uh, but it also could not be more profound. When Jesus says of the likes of you and me that you are the light of the world, Uh, And what we've seen to this point, first um, in in these Beatitudes, we saw um, descriptions, as we said, not so much of what Jesus is calling us to try to become, as much as they are descriptions of who his kingdom people already are. In other words, for those who find their security in knowing that God loves them perfectly because of what Jesus has done because of the life he lived in our place because of the death that he died in our place they naturally see their own poverty of spirit and they rest in the riches of Jesus instead of trying to produce their own they naturally mourn over their sinfulness instead of trying to justify it or cover it over they're naturally meek Because everything that they receive comes because of grace, which makes them naturally merciful toward fellow messed up people, and on and on Jesus goes through these Beatitudes. But you see, now he's moving on here to say, because that's who the citizens of my kingdom are by nature, this new nature that I've given them, this is what they're going to do. This is how they will act. They will be, first of all, he says, a preserving effect. Upon the world, like salt, we looked at last week. And this week, he says that they will be the light that the world needs to be able to see its way out of its troubles. Now, before we get into what all this means, I'd like for us just to start by asking ourselves uh, what things does the world already believe are the source of its light? Um, And and maybe even more personally, what things do you believe here this morning that are going to bring you? enlightenment because, see, for the world, some put their hopes in um, economic freedom uh, while others put their hopes in, in fame and fortune, maybe winning the multi-billion dollar lottery. Uh, still others find their enlightenment in the, uh, the religion of, of radical environmentalism, trying to save the planet, but I, but I think by far and away the greatest source of enlightenment that our world um, is trying to offer today is that of sexual freedom. Uh, the freedom to be whatever gender you want, the freedom to kill any unwanted babies that come as a result of your sexual freedoms, the freedom to cross uh, over into, into any kind of gender identity that you feel at the moment. So basically that you can have the freedom to have sex with anyone or anything you want to with no judgments and no restrictions, frankly with no consequences whatsoever. And of course, you know, you and I may not buy into all of the new woke agendas of what the world says brings enlightenment today. But I think if we're honest, even as Christians, we, we tend to have our own versions of what's gonna bring uh, light and life to your world. Whether it's, you know, to fall in love and get married, and of course, all life will be perfect when that happens. Uh, talk to the married people here, you'll find that's not true. Or, or maybe to fill a house full of kids, um, and that can be wonderful and noisy. Uh, maybe for you, it's a successful career, making lots of money, Uh, Or or maybe it's something just as simple as being able to get your life together like everybody else seems to be able to do and you somehow can't. Listen, we we all suffer from the delusion that light and life can be had apart from God. And, And we are allured by those attractions every day. I mean, think about it. We're sad. We're even depressed when we can't get the things that we really want. We feel like failures when they elude us. Because deep down, we really do believe that these things are going to bring us uh, light and life and joy. And, And you see, in this passage, not only does Jesus destroy those kinds of dreams here by saying that nothing in this world can bring that kind of life because he alone is the light of your world. But he goes even further here when he says that you now and you alone are the light to the rest of the world. Now that's an amazing statement that we need to pull apart here for a bit. And and I want you to notice, just like we said last week, when Jesus talks about how you are the salt of the earth, he's implying that the world is in a state of decay. So to this week, when he says, you are the light of the world, he's implying that the world we live in is enshrouded in utter darkness. And listen, there's no denying that we live in the most enlightened period of human history. I mean, just think about all the development of science and technology that's going on. Think about the heightened social awareness we all have of the need for inclusion and equity for all people. Uh, Just think about the global um, communications that instantly can bring you uh, firsthand experiences of everything happening in the world in real time. I mean, all of these things have made for a world that has more light than it ever has. And yet, what permeates Every facet of our modern enlightenment is the utter foolishness of darkness. And I I don't want to get political here, but I'm just going to give some examples, all right? For example, it's certainly the progress of enlightenment to see that we shouldn't discriminate against people. That's something that was not certainly taken for granted for thousands of years. And it's great to be able to have that enlightenment. You know we shouldn't discriminate against people based on their gender their race or sexual orientation but the way that our world tries to apply this kind of enlightenment is enmeshed in utter darkness because rather than teaching our kids to see the dignity of god in every person our world now teaches that the only solution is to push and and to celebrate and even demonstrate uh, sexual freedom to our youngest kids or think about um, racial discrimination it certainly is a progress of great enlightenment to see that all people are created equally as human beings with dignity in the sight of God. But the way that our world tries to apply this is to give preferential treatment to those who have been perceived to be discriminated against, effectively creating discrimination in order to deal with discrimination. I mean even the study of science over these last four or five years has been plunged into utter darkness where Only politically correct views of what science can report on or acknowledge uh, are are ever brought to the surface. Things like whether it's vaccines or climate change or gender dysphoria, you know, Fauci can actually claim, I am science. (laughs) That's just utter foolishness. I saw this week uh, that the Biden administration is looking to possibly ban all gas stoves in America. I mean, absolute utter foolishness. Or I read another article this week that Harvard University is now teaching their medical students that even in the womb, even though these children are not yet human beings, they still have the capacity to choose their own gender within the womb. I don't know how. I guess you have to go to Harvard to figure that out. Or, or even you know the push for electric vehicles. I, I, listen, I would love a Tesla. If anybody wants to give me one, I'll take one. Nobody loves new tech more than me. And yet, it's, it's being pushed as a savior of our world while ignoring the uncomfortable truth of where that electricity has to come from, usually coal, right, which is good for our region, or maybe even worse, ignoring the ethics that most of the raw materials that make up electric batteries are done in subhuman conditions, in most cases with child labor, right? So I'm not trying to bash any of this stuff. I just want to show you the utter foolishness of, think about the enlightenment of eliminating child labor. Great progress coupled with the enlightenment of the dawn of electric vehicles, which now requires child labor to pull it off. I mean, that's how our world's logic thinks. And again, my goal is not to bash vaccines or electric vehicles or protecting the environment. It's simply to point out how as great as all of these advances are, and there are great advances there, there is such a deep darkness that permeates our world that the mere suggestion that we might not have absolute and total freedom over our bodies, over our world, over our choices, over our environment, they have to be silenced. Listen, we have great knowledge, probably greater knowledge than this world has ever possessed, but the darkness of the human soul doesn't know what to do with it. The darkness of the human heart is such that we will take any advancement of enlightenment and turn it towards self-indulgence and self-destruction. Because see, at its essence, really none of this is about racial equity, none of it's about gender fluidity, none of it's about environmental salvation, at its core, it's a desire to be God and to throw off any suggestion that I might not have the freedom to do whatever I want. That's what's driving all of this and that's what creates the darkness. And that's why the Christian is in such a unique and powerful position in this world But having said all that, don't fool yourself for a second into thinking that all the foolish darkness is found out there in the world. Uh, The the utter darkness of sin is so great and so powerful that even Christians who have the light of Jesus often fall under the shadows of its grip. I mean, we do this kind of stuff all the time, right? I I, I know I shouldn't go to Blackbird and eat a dozen donuts, but all I have to tell myself is, but they taste so good, right? In, In other words, it gives me what I want. I know I should forgive that person for what they did to me or what they said to me, but all I have to do is replay once again in my head what it is that they did to me, and I feel justified in holding it over them for another day. I, I know I shouldn't look at porn, guys, All right, but all I have to tell myself is nobody's getting hurt here, and it satisfies an itch that I have. In other words, it gives me what I want. Uh, You know, I I know I should stay faithful to my spouse, but all I have to do is convince myself that I'm lonely, that I'm an unloved victim here. In other words, it gives me what I want. And see, that's the darkness of the human heart. The, The world is completely blinded by such thinking, but even we as believers lose sight of this all the time. Listen, we we know so much in our world today. Knowledge is at an all-time high, but we don't know why we're so miserable all the time, right? We don't know why we still feel empty on the inside. We don't understand why I still feel so unfulfilled and restless. And the only answer that the world has is just to fill it with more stuff, more personal freedoms to be able to chase after anything I want to. And so the darkness just keeps getting darker. The world's freedoms have created a deep hatred between nations, a deep hatred between political parties, a deep hatred between the sexes, and hatred toward anybody who doesn't agree with my desires for unfettered freedom, which is why here Jesus says, not only is the world enshrouded in deep darkness, but only you, those who are citizens of my kingdom, can bring any help, any advice, any perspective to be able to see beyond it. Now I know in some ways it sounds a bit arrogant to say, but listen, you see this stuff every day. Our our politicians seem to be baffled by what's wrong with our world and they try all sorts of crazy outlandish ideas to fix it when every Christian knows full well what the problem is. You know, think about this. We talked about this a bit last week. A hundred years ago, the world said the underlying cause of all of our problems is poverty and education. And, And if people can just get education and be drawn out of their ignorance, uh, then opportunity will rise, poverty will be eliminated, and and the world will be great. Fifty years ago, the world said, well, it's not working. Maybe the underlying cause is all these uh, uptight moral boundaries, and people need uh, sexual freedom and drugs and rock and roll. That's what the 60s were all about. Just give me freedom to be me even five years ago you want to see how fast this is advancing five years ago the world would have said that the underlying cause of all the problems in the world is racism but even today that's already being replaced by sexual orientation and gender fluidity and the solution for kids to learn early how to explore and create their own gender and their own sexuality see clearly the world doesn't have a clue they have no light and so jesus turns to us And he says, all right guys, you are the light of the world. And he's saying that the Christian, because of their connection with Jesus, who is the light of the world, that we now possess a light of understanding that the world misses. In effect, what he's saying here is that the most uneducated Christian understands the world and its problems better than the most educated person who doesn't know the light of Jesus. Now that's a bold statement, but I think that is backed up by scripture. but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength." And see, what this is, this is not merely saying that maybe some really gifted, strong Christian leaders might possess greater wisdom than the wise people of this world, but no, it's saying that every ordinary Christian possesses this kind of insight. Because it starts with that simple poverty of spirit. I'm broken, I need help, I need Jesus, I don't have wisdom, the world is not about me. right? How how then can we be the light that the world needs? And I think it comes as we see our connection to the light of the world, Jesus, that we are connected by and we're dwelt with the one who said, I am the light of the world. And therefore, as believers, our job is to reflect that light. Uh, listen again to what Paul tells the church in Ephesus. He said, For you once uh, were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And see, what this means is that Jesus is the light of the world who now lives inside of you so that you might be his representative to bring light to the darkness of the world around us. And think about this. Why does Jesus use this analogy of light right on the heels of saying you are the salt of the earth? Is it just another way of saying the same thing, kind of poetic language? I don't think so. Think about this, salt is really the negative aspect of our relationship with the world. Our presence is one that preserves the world from being as evil as it would otherwise be. And so this really is describing what the Christian is. Uh, She's salt. We're a preserving effect upon the culture. But with the analogy of light, we see now the positive side of things. This describes what a Christian actually does. And what we do is, as we live our salty lives before the watching world, lives that are radically different as outlined in all these Beatitudes, the goal is that because we are in relationship with the world around us, that they would look at us and ask for us, what's the reason for the hope that you have? See, how can you remain so calm when your world is falling apart? I couldn't do that. How can you keep from lashing out at people who attack you and abuse you like that? I know I would put up with that. How can you be so merciful and patient with somebody that you so deeply disagree with? And you see, that's where the light comes in. See, that's being salty. But when they ask, the light is, well, you tell them why. We share the hope of the gospel. We offer the wisdom that comes from God. So what does it actually look like to live as light in a dark world? How does all this work? Well, I mean, the first the most obvious thing is that light exposes the darkness and all the things that it hides. See, there's all sorts of things that you can't even see in the dark. There's all sorts of things that you don't even know are there until you turn on the light. Uh, Janie is making me watch one of her favorite shows uh, called The Midwife, great PBS. Fortunately, there's only 11 seasons. <clears throat> and and, and <laughs> there was a recent episode where there was a, a midwife dealing with the trauma of uh, a birth effect, the de- defect in one of the children that was born and the mother was just in anguish, you know, was it something I did? Was, was, it, was it something I, I, I mistreated this child while it was in the womb? Is God punishing me? Is, is God punishing my husband because he had been gambling and drinking or whatever? And the midwife just sat there and had absolutely no answers, just awkward silence. But you see, every Christian knows at least this, that if Jesus has truly paid for your sins on the cross, that it would be unjust for God to demand a second payment. So this can't be punishment if you're his child. So what is it? You know, stop blaming God, because listen, we are the ones who broke the world. We are the ones who unleashed the chaos of sin and deformity and despair upon this world. And as a result, we know that these things just now randomly happen, because we live in a fallen world a world that Jesus came to redeem, and one day he fully will, we, we, that's, that's profound knowledge that the world has no clue about. And she obviously couldn't see that. Listen, as long as everybody else is doing it, whatever it is, the darkness will feel like light. It will be seen as progress and enlightenment. But simply live your life as a salty Christian and refuse to go along with that agenda, and people will attack you. You know the couple who sued the baker for refusing to make them a cake for their gay wedding they were not bashing or attacking that couple they were just simply living as Christians in a dark world and as a result that couple felt attacked and exposed you know I think this is why so many of us hate politics these days as Christians we can look out there and see the self-serving foolishness of the left to promote their agenda of unrestricted moral freedom But we're equally frustrated that the only option being offered is for the self-serving right to promote their agenda in its place. And I think that's why we don't see a whole lot of common sense in our world today. I think in many ways, common sense was a byproduct of Christians living salty lives. And of the world at least embracing that wisdom on the surface of things. Because, listen, self-serving interests are always hidden in the darkness. And our job is to expose it with the light. Listen to what Jesus himself says in John chapter 3. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their evil deeds will be exposed. See, the, the, the Pharisees persecuted Jesus, not because he had an agenda to, to attack them, but simply because of the light of his presence. Just his being there exposed the self-serving darkness of their own hearts, and that is our role in the world. But I think secondly, light also explains the cause of darkness. See, this is why we wanna be salt. We wanna offer hope to a world in the midst of their chaos. We wanna be able to lift the poor out of their poverty. We wanna be able to provide healing for broken relationships. We wanna see equal opportunity for everyone to be able to advance in this world. We want to have a just and equitable way of treating our environment because it's God's kingdom, his, his, his earth. And so we dedicate ourselves to all of these betterment of people around us. But being that kind of salt, all it's gonna do is simply slow down the inevitable trajectory of decay and destruction right you can't save the world by feeding people you can't save the world by fixing relationships you can slow down the decay you can slow down the destruction but that is not their salvation what people need is the light so that they can be freed from its grip because this is what's wrong with our world it's not a lack of education it's not a lack of opportunity it's not a lack of freedom it's an estrangement from your maker. And that just makes sense. Anything that was designed for a particular purpose, if you try to use it for something else, there's gonna be frustration and it won't work. And you see, this is what Christians know, just naturally, that no matter how much my heart tries to trick me into thinking that I need this or I need that to really be happy, I know that the only thing I really need is to be in community with my maker. And once you've experienced that, you might forget it, but you're always drawn back to the light. Now, thirdly, light, I think, also provides the only way out of this darkness. And, and, and that's our role here. Because, we, see, when people ask you about the fruit of this new life in Christ, you know, how can you be gentle and humble with people who are falsely or even harshly accusing you of something? You say, well, the king of the universe has already declared me righteous, so I don't need their validation anymore. How can you serve people who hate everything that you stand for? Well, the king of the universe has given me everything that I need for life and godliness. Therefore, I can serve thankless people who don't appreciate me. How can you endure unjust suffering at the hands of people? Well, the king of the universe endured the only real suffering that could actually destroy me by dying for my sins. So, therefore, I can endure whatever appears to be and feels to be unjust today. See... As Christians, of course, we work for justice and equity. Of course, we want to see freedom and opportunity for everybody. And we do so by living our lives as a picture of the hope that lies within us. But here's where Christianity differs from the social gospel. In fact, here's where Christianity differs from conservatism. As valuable as living all that way is, we recognize it is just a temporary band-aid all by itself. See, conservatives can yell and shame and protest at people who say and do foolish things, but that's all they got. But a Christian understands that what the world truly needs, and the only thing that will enlighten them to the truth is the light of Jesus to rescue them. People need to be made right with God. They uh, They need the experience of love and satisfaction that only Jesus could ever bring to them so that all of their insecurities and fears find their lasting uh, resolution. Listen, never forget that you live in a world of people who are in slavery to their own darkness. Never forget that their enlightened solutions are merely human alternatives to salvation that are only going to deepen the darkness. And, And never forget what they need is not Christians who throw rules at them, rules that they're incapable of obeying anyway you know, yelling at them and protesting against them and bashing them for their foolish ways. That's not going to change a thing. They're not capable of that kind of change. They're slaves to darkness. What they need is restoration of the relationship with their maker. What they need is what Christmas promises, right? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men where God has favor upon us. And how does all this happen? First of all, you just need to live your life as an unashamed child of the king reflecting all the kingdom values that Jesus outlines in the Beatitudes that we read earlier. You know, you recognize your poverty of spirit instead of boasting or competing with others. You, you mourn over your sin instead of trying to excuse it and justify it. You're meek because you see that everything that you have comes because of grace and not because you're smarter or wiser than anybody else. You hunger and thirst for righteousness instead of trying to satisfy your appetites in the things of this world. You're merciful with the broken people around you instead of honking at them and yelling at them and being impatient with all these clueless people around me, right? You're pure in heart instead of only being good when people are looking and you get credit for it. You're, you're a peacemaker instead of trying to win and get ahead, right? You, you, you readily embrace persecution for living this way instead of whining to God that you don't have heaven on earth yet and why is my life not better, And see, as you live this kind of salty life before a world that is obsessed with its absolute opposite and and you're investing in them and you're working to make their lives and their families and their cities better places, you also show them the reason for the hope behind it. You show them the way out, right? By giving them the reason for the hope that drives you in a different direction, that your heart has been reconciled with your maker. So I'm not obsessed about making sure you like me, or I'm not dissed by this person. I don't care. The only one that matters is in love with me. That See, my heart has been reconciled with my maker, and therefore I know I'm loved, and I know I'm accepted, and I know that nothing can ever take that away. And then you offer that to them. That's what this is talking about. Listen, this world is a very dark place, and it's intimidating that Jesus would turn to us and say, guys, you and you alone are the only one who possesses the light of escape from the darkness that holds its grip upon the world. And as we'll get into next week, Jesus says, guys, don't hide it under a bowl, but let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that um, we, we just don't have a whole lot of people coming and asking us for the reason for the hope that's within us. and maybe. That's because there is so much um, compromise in the way we live. We're not really living salty lives. Um, we really are more consumed about ourselves and our reputation, our comfort, our own security. Uh, and, and therefore, we, we don't look a whole lot different. And I pray that you would help for us as we uh, are, are convicted by reading through this passage that you are calling us as your kingdom people uh, to be different to be able to understand that we are right and secure with you because of Jesus. And as a result, we don't have to play the games of the world of trying to compete and win. We don't have to have people's approval. Uh, We simply have to look to you and know that we have the eyes of the Father who are pleased with us because of Jesus. Lord, help for us to live this way and to be able to show people the light of the truth of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.